presence is already here. Man, do you feel him tonight? Hey, if you're new and you don't have no idea what just happened and you're like, oh, my heart is kind of bad, pounding out of my chest. I'm like, this is, a, this is weird. That's actually God's spirit drawing close to you. His spirit, the Holy Spirit drawing near to your, your soul, your spirit. And man, I know when Brene, anytime she sings, I'm like, I'm here. God, I'm here for it. She's back from Brussels. Let's give it up for her. Uh, man, it's going to be a good night tonight. You guys can go ahead and take your seats. Um, man, my name is Whitney Best, like Connor said. I'm on our Central Youth team, and Conrad and I, my husband and I, we get to lead our Littleton location. So we love it. It's so much fun. And maybe my voice sounds familiar. Yeah, I like to poke my little thoughts out on the podcast. Um, but man, this team is so amazing. Unreal. Connor and Andrew. Andrew's not here tonight, so I feel like we need to pick fun at him a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, but man, Connor, you do such an amazing job leading this group of people, um, making the Word of God so relevant to our time right now. And I want to give um, another really special shout to Milana Bakken back in the tech field. Oh my goodness. She, anything you see from production to graphics to making this place so engaging, that is all Milana. And I just want to say, hey, if you're feeling like I don't have anyone pouring into my life right now, I, don't, I want to be challenged, I want to be pushed, join her team. Man, she is such an amazing, impactful leader. So Milana, we love you. As a whole family, we love you so much. You know, give all the kisses. Um, all right, well, we are in this series called Follow Me. And Connor did an unreal job, you guys. I'm talking about like one of the best messages I've heard in a long time. And it was all about this, follow me into repentance. And um, if you haven't watched it, go back on the online, online campus, shout out, that's how I watched it. But Connor gave this one thought, and we actually posted it on our social media. And I've been like meditating on it since he said it. And it's this, if you are serving a God who is never correcting your mistakes, and calling you to live a life that aligns with his word. You may be worshiping a God whom you've made to look a lot like yourself rather than Jesus. Oh, cold chills. It was so good. And um, jumping in tonight, I kind of want to piggyback off of what Connor set us up for tonight. And I want to drink deeply. I told uh, the team this. I want to drink deeply from the scriptures tonight. Like, I want to talk to such a specific group of people tonight. And it's found in um, Matthew 13. And before I uh, put this scripture up, um, Connor, Aaron, and I, and Conrad, and a couple of family members, we actually got the chance to go to Israel. And what Jesus is talking about, it's a parable of the sower. And I wanted to give you a really cool visual on the screen. And farmland in Israel, I took this picture, it's not like Kansas, it's very hilly. And so farmers would be stacked one on top of the other as it was terraced. And so some farmers, they would, um, kind of be lazy and they'd be like, eh, I want to get a quick crop. And so I'm not going to really cultivate the earth. I'm not going to dig up the soil. I'm going to leave some rocks. I'm going to leave some thorns. And so we're going to read this parable of the sower with an image up on the screen. It says this, Matthew 13, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they weathered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns. 
and the thorns grew up and choked them. And we're going to skip over to verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, God's kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown along the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while. If you have your Bibles with you, circle that. Endures for a little while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfaithful. And so tonight, I wanna talk to those in this room that maybe feel like they're on rocky or thorny ground. And here's the deal. Uh, There is no shame if you feel like you are in this category. I feel like I actually just came out of one of these categories. The man, like, you, you felt called by God, you sprouted, you sprung up into this beautiful blossoming head of cabbage, And then man, like the sun got hot, life got challenging. There's pressure on you right now in this season and you kind of feel like a wilted piece of lettuce. Or maybe for you, like uh, what Connor said last week, man, um, you have turned, you've repented, you have followed Jesus, you've said no to a lifestyle that you once were living. And you're obeying, you're checking off the boxes and man, you are up against a circumstance that just can't seem to go away. And it's starting to make you question your devotion and your love and your confidence in God. Man, uh, Jesus says that you are enduring. You're right on the cusp. And the Greek word here is proskeros, which this just means for a season. You're enduring for a season. There's a reason why the Target dollar section, amen, is so cheap. We don't need a cheap version of perseverance. We need, a, we need a, this is what Jesus says all throughout the New Testament. We need a, a hupomone. That means perseverance. It means long suffering. It means patience. It means discipline. It means consistency. And so while there's so much richness in Matthew 13, the parable of Matthew 13, man, I wanna boil down this parable into asking one question tonight. And Connor actually asked it last week. And it's this, like, why do you call Jesus good? Like, what makes him good? Maybe uh, you heard what Connor said last week, and you're like, oh gosh, like, I actually, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why he is good. Do I serve a good God? And if I were to pass this microphone around the room, like, of course, we've all have asked this question. And maybe for you, it's like, uh, hey, if, if God just gives me a man with abs and a J-O-B, come on, somebody, I'm praying that for you, sister, then God would be good. Or maybe uh, for you, it's like, you know what? I'm in a really challenging season at work. I'm like really stressed. I know I should be like in the word, but like, I just, oh man, life is challenging. And once I get through this season, then like, yeah, God will be good again. He'll be on the throne. Or maybe for you, you're like more philosophical and you're like, well, if bad things didn't happen to good people, then God will be good. Or maybe it's your political views. Like, uh, mm, I swing more this way. And so I can't really reconcile um, some of my views with what God is. So eh, I don't really think he's that good. Or maybe you fall into this category and this is where I am. Like maybe if that life event, that traumatic event didn't happen, then God would be good. And if we are honest tonight, which I want all of us to be, if why perseverance is so challenging is because we challenge God's goodness. 
Okay, let me say that again. Why perseverance is so challenging is because we challenge, we question, man, God, are you good? Jesus, are you really good? And so tonight I wanna put a framework around God's goodness. And here's the deal, I'm not gonna answer all the questions in 30 minutes like, I'm not Yoda, I wish I was. I'd be like so rich if I could answer all the questions. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, but what I wanna do tonight is Connor uh, says all the time, he says, man, if we come to God open-handed, we will never leave empty-handed. And so tonight I just wanna come before God and just say all those preconceived notions, all of what would make God good. Maybe let's push pause, come before to God with open hands, so that we will leave with a new framework. And that I believe that I've been praying for that we'll, we can walk through seasons and valleys of life with confidence that we have a good God on our side. And so um, if you are taking notes tonight, I have titled this message, Follow Me Into Perseverance. All right, let's pray and let's get the night started. Um, God, thank you so much for what you're gonna do in this place. God, I've been praying all week that you're gonna start whispering um, to each and every one of us um, truth tonight, that um, you're gonna woo us back into a position of um, your grace, into your mercy, but we're gonna leave feeling so empowered by who you are, <clears throat> the, the essence of who you are. So speak tonight, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's thank the band. Thank you, Scott. Woo! <laughs> All right. So did anyone buy a really crazy purchase during COVID? Raise your hand. Oh my gosh, you guys, I have a story. So we decide, actually more, I decide, that we were going to buy chickens, okay? So... <clears throat> This feels like an eternity ago, but at one point, remember when there was no toilet paper, uh, there was no chickens, there was no eggs, and I literally went to Costco. This is, what, this is what changed my mind. I go to Costco, and I see someone fighting the Costco person because the Costco uh, scanner is making the, the customers put back one of their egg cartons because they already had egg whites. Like, it was crazy. So I'm like, this will not be our problem. So I have it figured out. We're getting chickens. So I, we go, we go to the store, go to Murdoch's, we buy six chicks, okay? So I love them. Like, I'm psycho. I'm starting to watch YouTube videos around them. And my favorite, guys, my favorite is this girl called Becky's Homestead. I even brought a picture of her. Uh, oh, my gosh, you guys. Like her, follow her, subscribe to her. She is my chicken queen, okay? So I'm watching these videos like a psycho. Conrad's so embarrassed of me. Uh, I'm taking care of their water, their temperature. It's a very unique process. So um, one quickly rose to the top of all my favorite chickens, and it's Dolly. And so she's this little white one. I named her after Dolly Parton because why not? And she is quickly my favorite. Oh, don't put that picture up just yet because that has another narrative. Uh, okay. <laughs> so she rises to the top. I'm like holding her. Um, I'm walking around our, our patio at the time. I'm watering my flowers with her. And total side note, I have a dog that's a wolf, actually has wolf in him. And he's sitting by, right here next to me. And Conrad's like, Whitney, that's a bad idea. And I'm, I'm reading a book with Dolly. So stupid. Like, I'm so embarrassed. So I go to get up, and Kingston goes, whop, on her head. And I literally experienced a miracle. I thought I was going to look down to a headless chick. And by the God's mercy, he's like, I love Whitney so much. I look down and he totally intact. She's totally intact. No bite marks, no nothing. Okay, amazing. So 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a couple months go by, and uh, part of the chicken journey is you have to make a fortress for them that are that's totally safe of predators and um, above and below. And so we make this huge chicken fortress, and it's time to now put them in their coop. And so, lo and behold, um, Dolly starts crowing. Wah. And I obviously, you guys don't, don't know what that means. So... When they start crowing, that means they're roosters. Roosters mean they're boys, and boys mean they don't have eggs. Okay, I'm back in the same problem. So the whole reason why we got these chickens were to have the promise of eggs one day. Okay, so I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. So we're like waiting. A couple couple more weeks go by, and now we hear crowing at 5 a.m., And not only just Dolly, it's three of my other chickens. So four of my chickens are now roosters. (laughs) So I'm at five in the morning, and I love sleep. I love Dolly, but I love my sleep. So um, I'm like, Conrad, (laughs) it's time to go. So we we find this, like, don't worry, don't worry. I cannot kill an animal, okay? So we take them up to this lady, this chicken lady up north, we drive a long way. I'm talking a long way. Just so we can drop off our roosters and we'll get four new hens. So we bring home the four hens, but as I'm leaving my roosters, I'm like, Conrad, I can't leave Dolly. I love her so much. And it's a hen, and I love her. And I have, I pulled that picture back up. Yeah. I took a picture. That's me. I have like, actual tears in my face. Like, I have my sunglasses on because I was crying. Like, so embarrassing. I leave her. We bring them home, whatever. We bring home the four new ones. And uh, uh, they start henpecking each other. Like, it's real. Like, pecking order is a real thing. And so we're like, gosh, this is so much work for these chickens. And so finally, I, I'm, like, out there after, like, six months, okay, of kind of hell. And I bend down. And I'm like, look in, and there is the perfect, tiny, pale, yellow egg. And you guys, I'm not kidding you, like a grape-sized egg. (laughs) And I don't care. I literally, I told Connor, I come in, I have like misty eyes. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm having a spiritual moment, okay? I was thinking to myself this, uh, our journeys of perseverance, man, kind of look like this, like all the choices, all the heartbreak, all the tears, all the hard times for what seems like a dinky little promise of God. Is it right? Man, and I, uh, if you have your Bibles, let's jump in the text. We're going to go to Jeremiah 32, and uh, we're going to spend a lot of time in Jeremiah 32, and we're going to be little theo- theologians after this message. So let me give you a little bit of context before we go to the scriptures. And uh, Jeremiah at the time, he's a prophet of God, and he's actually, we find him at the very beginning of Jeremiah, uh, thrown into prison because he makes a prophecy that, hey, this Babylonian army is actually going to come and siege Jerusalem. So the king is like, uh, no, uh, you're going to go in jail. I don't like what you just said. So he, Jeremiah is in jail, and God tells him, hey, buy this field called Ananoth. And so why is that important? So this exact field is where the Babylonian army is encamped on that exact field. Nowhere else. Like if you've ever seen Vikings, like they have, they go in and they raid, but they end up like setting up camp in one spot. This is where the Babylonian army is at currently. And so God says, hey, buy this plot of land. And so why this is important, land in Jewish uh, custom 
stays in Jewish families. Okay, so God says, um, I'm going to appoint a kinsman redeemer that will go and make sure that land is kept in line. So it's typically like the firstborn son because they have all the inheritance. And um, I, I want to like shift gears a little bit. So in Christendom, we use the word redeem a lot. Okay, but I feel like not a lot of us really know the implications of that word, what that actually means. And so Jesus coins, or God coins this term, redeem, a kinsman redeemer, in Leviticus, in the book of Leviticus. And it's actually a property or a real estate term. And um, so what a kinsman redeemer would do is that if a family member fell on hard times and they'd have to sell little plots of their land, the kinsman redeemer would come in and say, hey, I'm actually going to buy this back, give it back to you with no personal gain. And in some extreme circumstances, what a kinsman redeemer would do would actually go, if, if a, I'm talking like second, third, fourth, fifth cousins. Like I don't even know my fifth cousins. If they fell on hard times, so much so, not only are they selling their land, but their bodies. Like I'm selling my personhood into slavery. The kinsman redeemer would come in and say, I'm going to buy you back. And not only that, I'm going to put you back on that land because I'm going to buy it back. This is amazing stuff. And then on top of all of that, the kinsman redeemer, this is what he would do. He would go in if someone did a wrong against a family member. Like I'm talking about like waged war. You know, I, I, I kind of went waged war with my sister sometimes. And this is like waging war. They, they uh, hurt them. Man, the kinsman redeemer would be in charge of going and avenging that wrong. Okay, so this is now what God says. He's like, go redeem this land that the enemy has laid claim to. What? <laughs> Are you serious? And, and oh, but no, don't, don't worry. God says this in verse 15. Houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Here's the promise. And so don't, get, don't mistake God here. This is a terrible deal on paper. <laughs> like if you're in finance or if you're a financial advisor, if you've ever taken a business class, you learn about risk and reward. Like what's my ROI going to be? There's no ROI. There's no return on investment. So Jeremiah is in jail. So even if he wants to go see this plot of land, I mean, he's getting like a spear to the chest because the enemy has laid claim to it. And on top of all that, he knows that the enemy is going to come and, and take over Jerusalem. And so <clears throat> he's up against an impossible situation with what felt like a dinky promise of God that he's going to restore the land. Have you ever felt like this? Like, what? The outcome, God, on paper is not looking well for me. Like, I once sprouted. I was so excited. And, oh, ooh, I'm coming across this. I don't, I don't believe what, that you're good. What the heck? And I thought, God, you could, you could do immeasurably more than we could ever ask for, think of, imagine. So, man, why am I still struggling with depression? Why am I still struggling with anxiety? Or maybe like, well, I thought God said multiply the earth, amen. So why am I struggling with infertility? Man, I thought, um, uh, God, you opened a door to this job. It's amazing, but why is it so dark? Like no one, not one of my friends has said yes to coming to Young Adults with me. Or maybe for you, it's just like, man, like I thought reading my Bible and uh, praying and coming here would kind of help me out, but I'm still dealing with this circumstance that looks the same. And man, God wants to speak to you tonight. Because here's the deal. 
Jeremiah's demeanor starts to shift. And he says, oh, like any human would, he starts to panic, okay? A, a prophet of God, that's his whole job is to follow God. His whole job is to be the mouthpiece of God. He starts to panic. Like, man, what about, he had doubts about God's character. What good God would make me buy land that the enemy has laid claim to? I'll never, probably, I don't know when I'm going to get out of this prison cell. And I'm, I, what, like, why are you making me do this? And scholars believe that during this time that Jeremiah actually starts writing the book of Lamentations. And in Lamentations 2, he starts asking the question. It's really intense. And he's like, God, where's the grain and the wine? Amen, Amen to that too. But he's saying, where's the provision? Where are you? It's like my tears. I'm like, pour out my tears before you. Where, where are you in all of this? And I, lo- I love this. This was so freeing to me. I love reading the Old Testament because God never edits out humanity. God never edits out how, how we should respond to him. And he's lamenting. He's pouring out his tears to the Lord. And he's asking God, why are you making me do this? And like, um, you kind of see him at the very end of uh, Jeremiah 32. And he starts to make me like shift a little bit. And he starts to be like, okay, I don't, I don't understand. But let me seek understanding. And God responds to him. And he declares this in verse 40. And he says this, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to you. Young adult, hear that tonight. I will never stop doing good to you, says the Lord. And I will inspire them to fear me. And all this means, that sounds really scary. It's not like, oh, I'm so afraid of God. It's like, no, God wants to pray, create awe and wonder in your life, bigness, so that they will never turn away from me again. I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and all my soul. Okay, so what does this verse mean? I'm so glad you asked. Um, so has anyone seen that TikTok? Of, it's this random average guy. And he goes up to these people in really fancy sports cars. I'm talking about like $400,000 sports cars. And he walks up to them and he's like, hey, man, what do you do for a living? And their their responses are epic. He's like, some people are like, oh, I just work in boring corporate finance. Or I'm like a wife, like stupid. Um, And then there's some cases. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Can you tell? (laughs) Women. Uh, (laughs) So that there's some circumstances where actually this guy was a Rolex watch salesperson. And he's like, I've seen your videos. Here's this watch, a Rolex watch. And then other guys are starting to get this traction. And they're like, actually, you're amazing. Do you want to drive my $400,000 Ferrari? And he's like, yeah. And I can't help but think, like, this is kind of like our faith journeys when we first say yes to Jesus. Like, everything is, like, amazing. And we, like, ask for something, and then we get it. And we're like, pray, God. God, like, mm, like answer me in prayer. And you, someone comes over and gives you a prophetic word. You're like, God, you hear me? You're, like, so pumped. But as time goes on, man, I feel like our countenance starts to shift. Maybe, like, you've been dealing with something for a week, a month, a year, two years, a decade. And you're, like, starting to look at God, and you're like, I'm not this average Joe Schmo anymore. I'm actually like, my countenance feels like a beggar. And we come to God in these moments, and we're like, God, like, I know you can do anything. You have infinite amounts of resource. So, like, please, like, 
pity me, like look at me, respond to me, and we're like, God, please do it. God, please, God, please, God, please, please. And what I've noticed about a beggar is maybe sometimes it's like, what, what could I say? What could I say that could get God's attention? How, maybe I'll quote a verse. Maybe I'll like furl my eyebrows harder in worship. Maybe I'll lift my hands in worship. Oh, then God will see me and he'll respond to me. And, it, and what I've noticed is when we're in this position of a beggar, man, we'll settle for anything. We'll not settle for God's best. Are you kidding me? And what God is saying in Jeremiah 32 is, no, 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 never will I stop doing good to you with my whole heart and with my whole soul. And so what uh, Jeremiah is saying here, what God's saying here, whole heart, it means this, it's lave, the Hebrew word lave. And this is the inner man. This is the mind, the will, the heart, the understanding, the knowledge, the thinking, the reflection, the memory, the resolution, the determination of will. Okay, it's Valentine's Day, so if you've ever been in love with someone, you know how this feels. You're like, I don't care how annoying you are. I want to be around you all the time. I love you. I care about you. I'm obsessed with you. You like see past all of their wrongdoing, which is maybe a good thing. I don't know. And so this is how God feels towards you. He has laved towards you. He's obsessed with you. And then he says whole soul. And the Hebrew word here is nefesh. And this just means uh, your breath. So the inner working of like you, you can't really see you breathing, but you know it's working. And so God uses a story in Jeremiah 32 to make some, it's very obscure, but he makes a very clear point about his goodness. And he says this. Yeah, I'm going to buy back what the enemy has stolen from you. Isaiah 61 says, I'm going to give you a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Oh my gosh, this is good news. I'm going to give you oil of gladness instead of mourning. I'm going to give you a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That's good news. Oh, even better. It gets better. I'm going to restore generational ruin. Do you know that you don't have to be an alcoholic because your whole family are alcoholics? You don't have to be an abuser because your dad was an abuser. You don't have to get divorced because your parents were divorced. This is what God does. He buys back what the enemy has tried to steal from us. And man, goodness, I wish in my humanness that we never had to struggle. I wish we never had to go through diagnosis. I wish we never had to struggle and wrestle through our sexual orientation. I wish we never had uh, to, my, that my mom died of cancer. I wish we never had to struggle with all the, what's going on in the world right now, racism. I wish we never had to struggle in these areas, but thank God that his goodness buys back what the enemy has laid claim to, that God redeems. And there's this uh, man in Genesis, his name is Joseph, and uh, he's lived a really hard life, really challenging, gone through difficult circumstances. Man, when he was a child, he was sold into trafficking by his brothers, and he's lived a really terrible life. He's been misunderstood, been thrown in prison multiple times, and he gets to the very end of his life, and he says this, you meant evil against me. And young and all, can I just tell you tonight, like John 10, 10, the enemy only comes to you to steal from you, to kill from you, and to destroy from you. 
And then, but uh, Joseph says this, but God has turned it for good. This is amazing news. And so if you're in here tonight and you're said, okay, God, I, I actually believe that. Like that makes make sense to me. This is how God's goodness works. Even when I can't see it or feel it, I know he's working. But what does that mean for me right, right now? Like I feel like I'm on rocky ground. Like I feel like I'm like enduring, but I want to persevere. Um, and I want to share one last story. And uh, my grandpa was this amazing, amazing man. He lived in rural Tennessee, was a farmer his whole life, great business person. People would call him and be like, can I actually talk to Mr. Jack? And uh, uh, he was a great grandfather, great dad, amazing man. And every summer, we would, try to, we would go visit. And so this summer, Conrad and I, we went out to Tennessee and uh, the second you'd pull up in the driveway, he would come out and say, hey, let's go for a drive, in his cute little Tennessee accent. And so we'd get in his red truck, and we'd go out, and there would be, like, soybean fields, and he knew all about it, and he'd want to tell you about it, like, over and over, cornfields. His favorite was okra fields. And there were so much, like, good little nuggets of wisdom that I, I like, cherish forever. And there was this, this last summer... I asked him, I'm in the back seat with my grandma. I said, Daddy Jack, I call him Daddy Jack, it's very Southern. Uh, I said, Daddy Jack, um, man, like you've been through a lot in life, but like, what's the secret? And knowing what I know, man, he was a war vet. He served actually under military. If you served in the military, like, thank you so much. Um, yeah. He served on the military with his brother. And he had gone through like uh, ment family mental health, family uh, disability. I mean, he's gone through tragedy, uh, global pandemics, political divides, he's seen it all. And he was 92 years old. And I'll never forget this moment. He looks back at me and um, he's like, you know what? I have my fair share of questions. Actually, in fact, like I have my questions lined up when I see him face to face one day. But through it all, man, the Lord has been good to us. And I love that he said that because um, that was actually the last memory I had with him. In November, he ended up passing. And I actually took uh, this picture, and that's him and around it with his uh, three kids and his wife. And then where I stood at the back of the church, I was actually with my 10 uh, cousins. So there's 10 grandkids, and then there's 18 great grandkids, like, running around the church. And I said, man, like, what caused him to say that? He could have said anything he wanted. God was faithful to us. God blessed us. God, why did he say God was good to us? And it's because he lived a whole life of perseverance. There was his whole life he could have said, ah, this has gotten too hard. Oh, man, this is not what I expected. Oh, man, that was really disappointing. No, he kept on, kept it keeping on. And young adult, you can do that. Tonight, like, we need to persevere. We need, like, a hoopamone perseverance through this life that we can get to the end of our days, the length of our days, and say, man, I've seen some life, but God was good in and through it all. And so as we wrap up, I told the team, I asked Corey earlier this week, I said, hey, like, when you're in a season where you're like, oh, I'm in a season of perseverance, and I know that, and it's challenging and it's difficult, like, I mean, the last thing you kind of want to do is go in rooms like this and be like, God, 
you know? Yeah! And so I, I think we can take a cue tonight from uh, Jeremiah, and we can actually lament to God. And so actually, can everybody stand up? We're about to enter into a time of worship, and we're going to sing a new song. And I'm just going to ask you, like, man, like, take this moment in your week, in your year, to say, I just need to lament some things to you, God. Like, I need to cry. I need to say, I'm mad at you. I'm frustrated. I don't know where your provision is. Where is the grain and the wine? God, tell me. I don't know how, ah, I don't know how this is going to work out for me on paper. But then we need to shift. And I want to ask that tonight, that as you're lamenting, that there'll be a moment for you where like, okay, I've, I've said what I needed to say, and now I'm going to seek you. I'm going to listen to you. And my prayer this whole week has been that as we turn and we seek the Lord, then man, God will start to whisper to you, not shout. He's gonna whisper, hey, remember when I first got saved, what I promised you. encouraged you that one time, gave you that one specific verse that you like held on to and you're about to let it go. I want you to remember that. And so I'm going to pray for us and we're going to go into a time of worship. And so God, can you actually like um, hold out your hands like this? God, um, as we're vulnerable with you, Jesus, as we are lamenting to you, that you will just pour out your spirit tonight in such a unique and special way. God, that um, we can bring all of us, it's all of who we are, knowing and trusting that you will be good to us. And God, we just pray that, um, yeah, as you start to whisper back into this group of people, um, that we don't feel like the enemy can just come up and snatch what you have said. That we can walk out of here, not empty-handed, but full-handed with what you have said, what you have spoken into our lives, into our hearts, so that generations after us can praise the Lord. Amen. So Jesus, we love you. Thank you for all that you've done tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.